I think I need to receive, like, to do two more quotes that are accepted. And then I'll be happy because I'll have enough to buy myself a laptop outright. <laughs> you you and an not, upgrade and not after. wait and not wait until my time comes up at, in December, which is granted very soon. I take it you want some fancy Retina MacBook Pro. <laughs> I just need a new MacBook Pro. I don't care. I don't even care if it's like the bottom line one. I mean, I kind of do, but. Like, I need a new one because my current one is really struggling. I like my MacBook Air. Yeah, I like my Air too, but the fact that there's now a 13-inch Retina. Be heavy, though. I used um, a Retina MacBook Pro for a while. I used one for a week. And it's really hard to go back now. Whenever I look at my... I, I, I had the opposite effect. I was like, it's not worth the money. Yeah, okay. It's Yeah. Mm. What was I going to say? I guess I haven't even got I haven't got to the point of thinking in those concrete terms about the money. I'm just I just the, the all I can see now when I look at my air is pixels. There's so <laughs> many pixels; they're everywhere. <laughs> Whereas the Retina one, there are no pixels. It's just like it's just there. There's just the text and graphics rendered on the glass. I do notice that after seeing. I am kind of thinking. I I am thinking that I'll get a Retina one, like. If I'm going to get a laptop, which I'm, I have to do, like I, it has to happen at some point before the end of the year. Get a Mac Pro. I'm going to get no. I'm going to get a MacBook Pro. It's going to be the ret, one of the Retina ones. It's going to be like the top model, and I'm going to spec it out. So it uh, probably cost you eight grand or something. No, cost you four thousand and ninety nine dollars. Oh, there you go. I've already like I've done the. You get a Mac Pro for that. Well, the Mac Pro starts at three nine nine. Yeah, nine. And they're pretty small. You could put it in a little carry case. Yeah, but I would have to. What about a? I don't have a display or a keyboard. You get a Bluetooth keyboard. Little fire. I already up have ones. a. I have a Bluetooth keyboard, but I don't have a display. And mm. I do like to I carry do take around. my laptop around. Like I do take mm. it. Like if yeah, I have no. a client job, I can't just you know rock up with my Mac Pro and be like, "Hey, have you got a display I can plug in?" No, you're right. I'm with you. I I do all my development on a laptop, and I couldn't cope without being able to carry it around everywhere. Yeah, but um, I really want. A Mac Pro, just because they're be- they look beautiful. I'm not I- convinced they look beautiful. Really? I want one. I like I totally- want a Mac Pro, but I don't like I don't have the money for it right now, so therefore it's not not worth it for me. Um, but it would be worth it to do things like doing the recording and stuff on because it's so much more powerful. Yeah, I don't like that. It seems to be design over practicality. Like the old one was cool; you could stick stuff in it, put in six more hard drives if you wanted. The new one, you're going to have all this stuff hanging off it. I do like the fact that they've started coming up with the the one terabyte flash drives though. Mm. That's cool. It yeah. is cool because it means that what there's like two spaces for hot for for flash. Yeah, flash drives in in the new Mac Pro, so you can have at least two terabytes. It's just straight up, no no additional storage required. And what else are you going to have hanging off it that you would have previously put in? You're not going to use an optical drive. True. So USB ports, but it's got. But you were going to get that with a regular Mac Pro anyway, because you're only you're going to run out of mm. ports. Like, it's not like they're going to you know build in like thirty USB ports in the yeah, back. I, of the... I still don't know what USB devices you'd attach. Yeah, probably right. I think these days there's just so much more. I don't know. I, I'm tending to use fewer and fewer peripherals, but maybe it's because I do all my computing on a laptop and I can't be asked carrying them around with me. Yeah, me too. Now I'm thinking all about mine it. Are, all mine are plugged in directly into the into the Thunderbolt display. Mm. And then when I, I only use them when I come home. Um there I've got several like USB cables plugged in for the for the different uh eye devices that I have. Um so they're all plugged into a USB port that's sitting in that little high rise thing. Um there's also and so does your laptop also connect lap- to the Thunderbolt display via USB as well? No. Just via Thunderbolt. Thunderbolt. Yeah. Thunderbolt uh, transports everything. There you go. It's, That's nice. Thunderbolt's really good. Right. See, so this is why you've answered your own question about the Mac Pro's lack of expandability. Then Thunderbolt is where it's at. So you got to plug in an Apple cinema display, and then you get USBs off it. Hmm. They're expensive. A Thunderbolt display? Yeah. Wait until they come out with a 4K display. Because yeah. you can't you can't expect that they will uh, 
know, they've been talking up how amazing the Mac Pro is with 4K displays and yep. how you can have three of them plugged in at once. And they can't turn around off that and not release a 4K display at some point. No, you're right. I guarantee will. it will happen. I'm, see, I'm not sure. I, I could actually see a scenario where you can buy a Mac Pro and perhaps they start selling other brand 4K displays in Apple stores. No, I don't think that's how they will do it. I guarantee you that the next the next update that we're I, I reckon that instead of getting a Retina display, we'll get a, we'll get 4K displays. That's my prediction. It's uh it's out there. Yeah, but that's what I'm gonna do. I'm just I, gonna I'm just gonna state it publicly. So why wouldn't that have been unveiled this week then? I don't know. Maybe they're not ready. Maybe they don't have the design ready or something. I don't know. Mm. Be, it'll be interesting. I mean, they could they might they might you know. Um, release the Mac Pro without a display, without a display to go off it, but um, and that'd be perfectly fine because it's not like the twenty-seven inch displays are you know bad. Um, just the price, right? Like, so for the price of a twenty-seven inch display, you can like add a couple hundred dollars and get a twenty-seven inch iMac. Yes, yeah, because twenty-seven inch Apple displays are about and you can twice use the, the iMac price. as the display. Yeah, so I just don't understand that. Like literally a, a difference of a couple hundred dollars and one's a, only a display and one's a computer that can also be used as an external display for... Yeah. Interesting. So technically what I should do is, should have done, is get a iMac. iMac and used it like, and had it, used it as a display most of the time, but also had like, you could have background jobs. Like, yeah, it could, could be, could for be a developer, for like you. for developer, right? You could run, you could run... The Xcode the, bot. The bot stuff on the server, on the server platform. And uh, and you could have like you can you dis you display air quotes around that is uh, is running the bot is running bots for you and without you having to do anything, it's like a little. So can you run the iMac? Can the iMac be running when its screen yes. is being used as a yes. display In for fact, another it machine? Be, it has to be running. Right. Because oh, so you can't use the iMac's built-in display as an external display for your laptop without powering up the iMac as well. Right. So I do this when I go, there's a, one of the, my client's offices when I go, when I go in there um, and they want me to work in, in there for them. Um, they, I use one of their, their iMacs as a display. I have a, it's not a Thunderbolt cable. It's a, uh, like the display port cable. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't get the benefit of Thunderbolt. So I can't like plug in all my USB and stuff like that. But I plug, I, I, you know, the computer will be running. It has to be awake, and then I'll plug, plug. You know, my computer's got to be awake at the same time, and then I plug it into the ports at the back and port on the side of the computer, and it will just magically. So you just kind of take over display. the iMac's display. Yep, yeah, and the and the iMac is still running in the background. So technically, you could be running things in the background while it's yeah. while it's plugged in. That'd be kind of cool. The other thing that uh, it would be, I've thought that it would be handy to have another desktop computer for, because I don't at the moment, I just use my laptop, is that um, apparently with Maverick Server, you can uh, set it up to be an App Store cache. Mm-hmm. So that, oh, um, can you? I didn't know that. Yeah, so you don't need to re-download stuff straight from the App Store all the That'll time. That'll be handy next time I'm um, updating everybody's version of uh, of OS ten. Yeah, exactly. Because at the, car- the current... Well, I had to download it two times this time, right? Because I didn't think about it like i didn't i updated my laptop without really thinking about okay i've got to update everybody else's and then i realized i've got to update the mac mini i've got to update mel's computer possibly katie's computer for them to Uh, save you don't have a mac developer account do you because we do this at work we just download the i don't have well I, i don't don't see the point. I'm not. A. I'm not developing yeah. a Mac right now. <laughs> Don't buy one just for this. And I'm not buying. I'm not paying 99 bucks for a free operating system. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We- speaking of which, free, right? So, um, this at the as we're recording this, uh, there was an Apple special event earlier this week where they unveiled um stuff, new iPads. Which, if you're listening to this, you probably already know. Yeah, right. So none of this is news. <laughs> but the thing that I, I think is interesting to discuss is this is kind of following on from a discussion we'd have previously about the economics of app store pricing and people's expectations of what yeah. they pay for software. This is terrible for developers, or so, at least yeah. for people who want to sell apps. So this is the fact that Mavericks is free, iWork is free, iLife is free. I mean, and they're only free to people who bought a new computer. 
So right. So kind of from now on, right? Like if yeah. you, when you get a new computer, you get uh, all of this stuff for free. Wait, well, wait, no. Mavericks is free to everyone. Yes, Mavericks is Mavericks free. is free to everyone. Free to everyone back to this like computers that are back in two thousand and seven that you can update it to basically. Essentially, if you're running, I think if you're running like an Intel processor, you probably can upgrade to Mavericks. Yeah. Isn't iWorks and iLife, which are now no longer iWork and iLife, but they're productivity apps or creativity apps or whatever they're calling them now, um, aren't those... They're only free. Are they free for everybody? iLife as long as you always, have OS ten or iOS? No. So iLife always came with new computers, which I guess how else are you going to get a Mac? So pretty much was free yeah. for everyone. Yeah. But iWork is only free for people who already owned it from an app store copy, I believe. And anyone who now buys a new computer. So, so, so if you it's, own Pages So it's free four, because it's a free upgrade. Yeah, it's a free upgrade. And also, but see, if, if they hadn't have announced this and you went and bought a Mac today, you wouldn't have had Pages and Numbers and yeah, you would so have had to buy them. It's bundled with new computers as well. Yeah, so it what they're doing is they're actually using oh, advantage in one right. market to help another market, which in Europe is illegal. Well, what, they're, what they're doing is they're... they're they're trying to do it so that people buy the computers, which is the whole point of their yeah. ecosystem anyway. Yeah. So I, th- I guess what Apple are doing is their competitive advantage is that they do hardware and software and services. Exactly. Right. So when you when you get a device like a, a mobile phone or a tablet or a computer, the experience of using it is a sum of all of those things. It's about the hardware. It's about the software that's installed on it and the services, the internet services that you can interact with using it. and Google are pretty good at the internet services and kind of have some hardware now with Motorola's yeah. mobility part um, and kind of have software with Android. Uh, Microsoft have got the operating system software and services but don't really do hardware except now they've got Nokia's handset division. But Apple are really like, you know, got the advantage of doing the the great hardware and are sort of just trying to bundle in the great software as well as saying we can do the whole lot. I yeah. Know. So they're just bundling the cost into the price of the laptop. Yeah, they're, they're sort of saying you pay us once for the thing and the experience yeah. you can have using the thing is all part of that price. But see, that by doing that, what they're essentially doing is 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 keeping you in the ecosystem mm. because you might spend like a few grand now to buy your laptop, but your laptop like mine is going to be you know almost dead within the, like within a few years. Um, like my laptop is, I mean, it, it works. Don't get me wrong. Like it, it's a working laptop, but like it, it struggles when I try to do certain tasks on it. Um, for instance, when I'm recording Jelly and Bean and I'm trying to run Skype and also Logic and also a call recorder at the same time. Mm. And it, it like, Skype, it's mostly Skype, but it like goes crazy. And same with Dropbox. Dropbox is nuts. Um, I love Dropbox, but dang, their software is awful. And so what they're doing is is you're not just paying like whatever amount of money that you're paying to get the computer now, but you're also more likely to buy into it again when your computer eventually comes time to you know replace it. Yeah. Um, that's what I think they're trying to do with, with this. So the problem for us as people who are interested in developing software and making money from that activity. Yeah, we don't make laptops. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) If only we could just bundle some, you know, beautiful hardware and some nice internet services and, yeah, it makes it, it resets, it continues the trend of setting expectations that software should be free. I wonder, so you guys knew that in Europe ages ago now, but Windows had to ship without Windows Media Player. Right, yep. And that was because Winamp sued them and won successfully that they were using one market to gain competitive advantage in another market. Right. But I think the difference there is they were using their monopoly in one market okay, to gain advantage in a new market that they don't yet have a monopoly in. Whereas I don't know whether you'd argue that Apple has, has a monopoly. I don't think, they, I, on, I don't think you can argue that uh, Apple has a mon- monopoly in operating systems at all. Because, no, no. I mean, even though... Macs are doing really, really well now. Um, they're not still not doing as well as Windows is. So Office and Windows are the two profitable divisions of Microsoft. Right. So yes. surely they want to Apple, defend that. Apple is sort of saying our operating system and our productivity software is free. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think this is clearly a sort of, uh, you know, 
a threat to Microsoft in the sense that Microsoft don't make money from hardware. I mean, they sell Xboxes and they're going to... Well, Xbox has sold at a loss. Right. Like yeah, a loss Xbox leader. Is a, yeah. And, and uh, their new mobile handsets, they're probably going to be a while, and Surface tablets and things. Mm. I'm not sure. Nobody owns any of that hardware. So basically, Microsoft make all their money from operating system and office right. software sales. And Apple have now said that their software is free if you buy but you've got to remember, like you've got to remember that um, they haven't. Microsoft don't have uh, as tight of a control over the uh, over the hardware side of things. Like there are companies that actually most Windows machines of any particular sort are, are produced by other companies. Dell, HP, do they still exist? I don't know. Anyway, yeah, I think they do. I think there was speculation. They, I think HP announced they were getting out of the personal computer business. Yes. And then back flipped on that six months later or something. Yeah. Who was the ones that were going to go back to being a private company? Was that HP or was that Dell? One of them announced that remember. they were going to buy back all of their shares, become private. Point is, um, like most Microsoft machines are being developed by people other than Microsoft. Right, yeah. Whereas most Apple machines, and in fact, you know, I, can, I think I can say most. Most Apple machines, most machines running OS X are being being developed by Apple. Yes. I mean, if you don't, uh, like that's, and that's assuming that you, you know, some people we have dis- Hackintosh. Yes, there are a very, a tiny, tiny it's number a, of Hackintoshes out there. It's a, there's a sliver of them. Um, One of my uh, early computers was a, well, work computers. Uh, it was back when I, my first job after high school, pre-press graphic artist. Got paid $6.80 an hour in Whoa. my day. Whoa. We used to grind pixels every day at the mill. Um, it was on a Power One, which was a licensed clone. I've never oh. even heard of a Power One. I know they, they had clones back, wave back in the day. One but wow. Power One, yeah. I've never so actually heard of anybody actually using these well. things. I know, it's amazing. It's such a crazy concept, isn't you're it? A, you're a treasure trove of these these <laughs> things, right? Because <laughs> you use this, and you're also a web no object guy. I know. Yeah, wow. I'm really showing my age. The guy that uh, ran, so ran the business that I uh, used the power wave one at um, was telling me about his day. He used to carve copper cylinders by hand. Wow. Yeah, he was old. Wow. Yeah, I know, just a little bit of history there. <laughs> <laughs> so in a couple of generations, we've gone from carving copper cylinders to uh, they're no longer being Mac clients. But isn't that crazy that Apple actually did license their um, architecture for computers to someone else to right. manufacture but then they, I mean, then they obviously decided that that wasn't, that wasn't going to be the way to do things. Right. I think that was when Steve had left the company. I was going to say, yeah. was this one of those other CEOs? Yeah, John I think Scully? it was. Yeah. And then one of the Steve's first things he did when he returned was to say, yeah. You're kidding? Yeah, we're not doing that. Um, yeah, look, I, I mean, there's a, there is a reason reason to that, and we actually I discussed this with with Bean on Jelly and Bean, um, last week. Well, it's this week, but it's last week because this is timing. We are talking we're, to the future. We're talking into the future, and so <laughs> by the at this stage, Jelly and Bean hasn't been released yet because it releases on Friday, and we're recording on Thursday. But by the time this releases. It would be Monday, so therefore it's in the past, which is crazy. Um, we did talk about this, and yeah, it's it's like there is no way Microsoft could do that because there's a whole business aspect and that sort of stuff that they've got to they've got to make money somehow, and that's like they don't make money off their and, hardware and, at this right, stage. And Apple are in the really unique position of making massive margins on hardware, right? Which has traditionally been somewhere like traditionally it's been easier to make margin yeah. on software than hardware, whereas Apple are basically now saying. We we can make margin on hardware where no one else seems to be able it's to. It's so let's the give the software away. It's kind of the equivalent of like the app store pricing thing that people are talking about right now, where people aren't buying apps for like you know two or three bucks up front, and then you know it's free fit to use for the rest of your life. Like most people are buying into that. Like most consumers are buying into the idea of having a free app, and then uh, and then you know in app purchases or subscriptions or stuff like that. Right, so which is the almost the polar opposite to the way that Apple is actually doing their business, because you buy into a device essentially once, mm. and then you get everything for free. Although a lot of Apple's devices, that's not the case with a lot of people get 
iOS devices on contracts through phone companies. Well, where I, I suppose the cost is kind of hidden from them. Like it's you mm-hmm. know in Australia, I think we're a little bit unique in that quite a lot of people will buy handsets outright. Whereas my understanding is in places like the US, it's pretty much unheard of that everyone just buys it on contract and there is not really much of a market of outright purchases. I don't know. There wasn't. It wasn't even possible for quite a while. It's only really been possible to buy an iPhone outright in the US for maybe right. a year or two. Yeah, okay. So there was this back and forth trade where people were buying phones outright in Australia and shipping them back to the States for people that wanted to use them off contract. Yeah, that's um, crazy. Which does seem weird, doesn't it? Because we're used to usually having to get our stuff shipped from over there. <laughs> Speaking of which, if anyone's got one of those um, Google TV dongle thingamy doovies, what is it? A, uh, a Chromecast. Chromecast. What's a Chromecast? It's essentially Google's version of an Apple TV. Why would I want that over an Apple TV? Because it's a HDMI dongle. It's like tiny. Just plugs into HDMI port, gets its power from the HDMI port. Huh. Um, well, it can- no, because it does have a power adapter. So I I could be wrong, but I understand that it has some ha- HDMI ports will output power. Okay. It's sufficient to power it. But, but it does have a power adapter. In the I case know it that does your TV doesn't. There was this whole thing about how, like, you can't, you get the, like, all the pictures just showed the Chromecast oh, right. plugged so in. Maybe I'm just And then, it. like, there was actually, there is actually a power dongle. But you're right. I prefer Apple TV software. Mm. But anyway, Chromecasts are only available in the US. And I think they're only, like, what, $30? You can get, you can get a, like, a, um, so I use a thing on my Mac that I can, um, I can airplay to, right? So I use it with when I'm playing podcasts sometimes because yeah. I hate having to plug in the phone somehow. And Is do that a stuff. reflector? No, I use one called AirServer. Yes, I've heard of that. Um, mm-hmm. They also, and I just realized, I've just found out this today actually because I up, they released an update. I updated and their little thing had a thing for their Chromecast version, which is Chrome Catch or something. And it does, it's exactly the same thing, but for Chromecast. Oh, so you can AirPlay to Chromecast? No, no, no. So you can so you can make your Mac into a Chromecast without having a dongle. All right. Yeah, which is kind of cool. Completely sidetracked. So, you know what? We should actually talk about, like, development stuff. I suppose, you know, that's probably the sort of thing you should do on a development Pod- podcast. I think the one thing we have discussed was highly relevant to developers is this what does Apple's pricing mean yeah, for definitely. pricing our software? And I think just kind of in conclusion, what I'm taking from it is it's yet another bit of evidence to say consumers are going to continue to expect more and more in terms of what they get from software for less or free. Right. And so we've got to continue to find ways of being able to make money in that with those expectations. And look, I think I, I personally, I think it comes down to like a matter of uh, – Partially, a you know the, the the quality of the software because the more that they feel that they like the more that a cons- the user is feels that they're getting out of software, the more that they feel like they will put give to it. Um, I mean that doesn't necessarily mean upfront because you know there's the whole but it's, thing it's that people are talking really, about. Really hard for it doesn't it kind of is almost to the point of it doesn't matter how good your software is. In the user's mind, they'll have this little equation going saying, I got my operating system and this suite of productivity apps that are that are good quality and that I really value for free. And you're trying to get me to pay you however much, a dollar, for something that's much, much simpler than that. If Apple can do an operating system for free, how come it costs you a dollar to do a? Well, look, I think I think we're going to like, and I'm not saying that this is a good thing at all, but we're going. There is going to have to be some sort of um, general uh, statement by the development community, not like a open letter or anything like manifesto. Well, it it just you know just a general attitude really um, of well, okay, that's you know that's great. You got your operating system and stuff for free, but I don't. You know, I'm not making money off the hardware that I'm selling you, that they're selling you. I don't get any of that money. I don't see any money from that. And turns out I have to eat, which is still like it's. Just, I mean, it's it's the whole thing. We've like we've been going through this sort of a story uh, in in various incarnations since the beginning of the App Store, right? It's all it's been kind of here and there and all over the place. Like, why would I use this app when there's already such and such you know feature built in, like yeah. the Instapaper type thing, right? Where um, you know, even though you know, e- even though Instapaper came before reading list, Safari's reading list thing, 
a, a user that's coming to the platform now, okay, why would I why would I pay you know X amount of dollars to to get into Instapaper when I can just use the built in thing? And the answer, the ba- basic answer is, well, you probably won't unless you really want something that you know uh, you want software that does something extra. And I think that's but that's where we've got to go. I think that's where we've got to go as developers. We've got to provide that extra, and it's it's just it's the same question that we've always really had to ask ourselves as as you know as to the purpose of our software. Um, you know, what does this provide? What does this do for the user? What problem does it solve that is actually worth paying money for? Hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. It, it is nothing completely new, but I think it kind of. Um continues that evolution. Oh, it of, continues. Yeah. And it and it evolves and it changes and the, the question kind of changes a little bit here and there. But I mean the the core of it is the same. Like we've we've always had to make excuses quotes, because they're not actually excuses. But to the user they might seem like excuses as to why we have to charge so much. Yeah. Um and this has changed here and there, but it's always been around. Like the question has always been there. At least I've 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 heard like I've been hearing the same same a similar question since the beginning of and I suppose even pre App Store right like uh, developers of paid software are always competing with free as in piracy right you know, yeah. trying to make the argument that you should why should you pay for software when you could just copy it and there are people that just think why should you pay for software at all it's just software like what is so special about it hmm. well so after that brief interlude distraction intro I've actually got some uh, follow up. Is it too? I, I heard another podcast, ATP, but perhaps talking about the rules around follow up. Um, I feel like, firstly, we're probably not allowed to use the term because we haven't actually licensed it. We should discuss. I don't think. I don't think Syracuse has a patent on it. No, well, he wouldn't, <laughs> given his feelings on exactly on intellectual property laws. So I'm sure he's happy for us to use uh, the term. Look, I don't think the podcast has actually really even started. See. We we kind of started because we were talking about a topic that just so happens to be relevant to somewhat relevant. Right. Okay. So under the Syracusean rules, that if follow up must happen within the first short period of time after the start of the episode, then we're still okay because we actually only just starting. Well, now. we haven't talked. We haven't talked about topics yet. That's my thinking. Yeah. But look, maybe maybe we're gonna we look. We we all know that Syracuse is um very picky. I think that's. I, th- I think he probably wouldn't think it's follow up. So let's just call it. Let, we're going to have. We're going to talk about some feedback. Yeah, sure. So uh, this is from our good friend Arby Beckett. Thank you once again for listening and for taking the time to share your thoughts with us. And please, everybody else, share your thoughts with us because we like we like hearing getting emails. And you mean we've got more than one listener? Yes, we've been over this before. <laughs> I, I thought this whole show was just for Arby's sake, but anyway. Um, so this is about our discussion. I can't remember. Yeah, maybe it was even last episode about core data. It was the last episode. Yes. Yeah, uh, mentioning that. Right. So the talking about the different types of core data right stores that are yep. available on macOS. Right. Um, and he was sort of saying that the SQLite or SQLite backing for core data is only fast if your data doesn't fit in RAM, and if it does all fit in RAM then the binary store, which is available on the Mac, is much faster. Uh, and that makes, sense. That makes a lot if, of sense. If you can load a whole, a, you know, a big binary chunk of data into memory and have it all in memory, that's going to work much faster than um, if you're having to do SQL queries all the time. Right. Um, um, but to be fair, um, to be fair, that's not actually available on iOS at all. Right. No, his point was about Mac apps. And he was saying yeah. Mac apps usually use binary in production. XML so, for debugging and only use SQLite if it's for really large data sets. Right. And I suppose when you're talking about desktop apps as well, large is different, right? From, from large mobile. is a different, like yeah. It's a different type of potentially having Going back to the Mac Pro, did they say you can have 64 gigabytes of RAM? Probably. I don't, it's a 64 I don't actually remember. bit computer. Someone work out the address space on that? No, I think it was just the limited to the number of RAM slots and the size of capacity of RAM chips they can manufacture to fit in those slots yeah, rather true. than the addressable memory. But I think I think they actually said you could configure one with 64 gigabytes. Oh, wow. Wow. It was something ridiculous like that. It's like a wow. That's, yes, please. Yeah. I'm going to load my entire hard drive into RAM. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's already in flash, right? Yeah. So. We're going to get it that tiny bit closer to the processor. <laughs> so much faster. Oh, dear. It's for not- Whereas on iOS, we're a little bit more constrained by... Um, well, we're what, constrained by everything, right? We're constrained yeah. by memory and, and storage space. Yeah. Obviously, like, I came into that conversation a little bit unprepared, um, as I do always do, because... I don't. I don't really prepare. I'll be honest. Because this is accidental tech. Oh wait, no, <laughs> this is no. Hang this on. is accidental. This is accidental mobile couch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we we don't really figure out our com- our topic of conversation until sometimes until we like start recording. I'm, sh- I'm sure no one's ever noticed. Don't reveal nobody's the secrets. Ever, no, but nobody's ever noticed. But look, I ca- I came into this. I came into the last episode a little bit unprepared for for my talk on call data. Um, but yes, you are correct that like there is there is stuff that is much faster than than um, SQLite for you know doing various different tasks. Um, but SQLite has the benefit of being fast and also capable of doing large data sets. Yeah. Um, whereas the other options are either good for large data sets or good for being fast. Yeah. Right. And actually, the other point that Arby makes is that XML is good for debugging, which is kind of nice. Yeah. It's nice to be able to have like human readable file mm. format that you don't need some special tool to look at what's being written to disk. You just put it in a text editor and you can see. Right. Um, which is kind of nice being able to edit values. Speaking of which, what do you guys use for looking at your SQLite databases? I change every time. Yeah, same. I, I, have, I Google I have an app, SQLite. I have an app that, that opens up the core data database, the, the, the core data store as, I always say core data database and it, it's, it's confusing. Um, I open up the core data store with an app that I've got. Yeah, which app? I use. I, I don't can't know remember. the name of it. Is it Base? So I was using Base, and then I bought one because it was on special on the App Store recently. No, that's called, a good idea because I always switch between else. trials. I need it so rarely. And it's like, well, but it's it was like five or ten bucks. Yeah, I know. This is going back to our conversation earlier. It's a tool that I you use it rarely, but when you do use it, I'm like, yeah, mm. I had been using a trial of Base. Um, maybe I should buy Base because I think I think I like it more than whatever it is I'm using at the moment. There's another one. So I think it's just called SQLite Reader. I've used that one before. Works. They'll work. Yeah. It's just just a database. It is just I a database. I have one called Core Data Editor. Okay. Oh, you got that one. Yeah. That allows you to do something else that's called data related. So what it lets you do is you, you actually put your model into it and you give it you your model and your data store and it will actually read it as as the proper entities without having oh, to right. yeah. without having to do all the um Take, like figuring, figuring out. it out in your head. Yeah. Because it changes the structure of it somewhat when yeah. it goes to core data. Oh, uh, you can yeah. also use that to pre-fill. That's what I almost bought it for. Like if you right. had a database you wanted to pre-fill for your app, it's much easier sometimes to do it in that rather than writing the code and then deleting that code. Right. So I've actually also in the past um, done a Mac companion Mac app for mm-hmm. populating I have the done core that data too. store just using Cocoa Bindings because mm-hmm. you can actually do a core data Mac app yeah. for reading and writing a core data store with undo, redo, Everything without a single line of code. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. It is awesome. I wish we could get Cocoa Bindings on iOS. Why? What is the reason? Does anyone know? No, I don't know. Is it? Are they like processor intensive or something or memory intensive? I don't know. Unmaintained at Apple, maybe? If anyone knows why we don't have Cocoa Bindings on iOS yet, please tell us. I don't think it's ever going to happen. It would have happened by now. Oh. Uh... I don't know. There's, sure, there's other stuff that we don't have on Or that we on only iOS. just got for the first time. What were the – there was – iOS 7 brought some Mac libraries to iOS for the very first time, and there I can't remember. NSCache, what was that, like five, six? Yeah, there's a few. Each release sees a couple more. And there's that there's that thing that you're waiting on. SceneKit. Yes. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch. And you were hoping for but that in this new release. Scene kit was new to the Mac. It's not like it's right. been yeah, there. Right, yeah, no, Cocoa for... Bindings has been there for years. Yeah. 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 So maybe maybe it uses some sort of weird language features or design decisions that don't fit with iOS. I don't know. But it, it, it is awesome. So if you're ever doing stuff on the Mac um, and you need, or if, even if you're just doing, as I was, an iOS app that needs to get data from a pre-populated core data store and you want, in this case, I was working with a client that wanted to be able to make changes to the data. And so I just gave them, the Mac desktop app to let them change the data as much as they like and then they just give me the core data store yeah, when they're exactly ready. Yeah, exactly why I did it too. We had one more bit of follow-up, which was from Russell from Shifty Jelly, who told us that he used Magicool Record, right? Yes, Magical Record. Magical Record, yes. 
Yeah. You don't have not to. Not magic. Record. You don't have to, like, emphasize the cool yeah, because but, it's not a cool. It's <laughs> not actually I thought cool. it was called magic record. No, it's magical week, record. Um, yeah, he said he used it and it removed thousands of lines of code from Pocket Weather. If I remember correctly, seeing the tweet that he responded to that with, didn't he mm. say that if you don't use it, then- It's a crime. It's a crime. Yeah, I kind of got the impression that he was frowning on me. That I've, well, I'm we both said we don't wrong. use it. I don't use it. None of us use it. I've, I've never used it. Sorry, Russell. I'll use I it next time. It. I'm going to give it a go in my next app. Me too. Speaking of which, I've got an idea for an app. Yay. I'm going to- Well, I think I'm going to go Nobody do this steal this idea. Oh, no, please. I don't care. I'm not going to- there's going to be there's going to be like a million of them all on on the App Store. Have I mentioned that I've kind of given up on the idea of being able to make money through the App Store? Yes. And I've, I've decided that my way of making a living is finding clients to pay me to do stuff for them. So happy for anyone to take this idea and do what you like with it. Um, I'm going to take it. It's not, it's not <laughs> good, in fact, I'm, I already know for a fact that there are a gazillion implementations of this exact thing, I kind of. But I want to do it's, it. Uses iBeacons. Of, of course. course, it does. Uh, so I've decided that um. My local coffee shop that I go to from time to time has a loyalty card. Right. And I want to do an iBeacon loyalty card app, which was kind of the WWDC demo. But I've just been thinking more about how-, how Isn't that what they're trying to do with like Passbook? Right. But so Passbook um, has a QR code on the screen. Yeah, a barcode, yes. Barcode that, um, you know, the coffee shop owner will scan. Yep. Whereas iBeacons, I kind of think like the way the i Apple TV uses it, with iOS 7 to pair the remote. See, I still haven't fi- figured out how to set that up. Like I sat down after the episode last week, I sat down and actually like went through all the settings. Did you reset your Apple TV? No, I didn't. Reset your Apple TV, do a factory restore. Did so, you delete the remote from your I did. IPhone? I deleted yeah. remote. I like mm, yeah, unpaired yeah. my remote and so did just, all that sort of just stuff. Just reset your Apple TV to factory settings. And then with and the then latest software on it. And okay. then set it up again. And it will invite you to pair your phone. Okay, cool. Um and so what I want to do is use that facility of iBeacons, the fact that um, so I'd have uh, an app on my phone. First of all, I'd write a little app for the coffee shop to have on an iPod Touch that's sitting always powered on. Right. Yeah, and that app would turn that iPod Touch into a beacon so they wouldn't need a separate hardware beacon. And then I'd write an app on my phone, um, and it's probably just going to be my phone. I'm not going to put this in the store. This is just so that when I go to my coffee shop, <laughs> I don't have to carry my loyalty Are you card. also going to give them the iDevice? And just say, look, I don't want to use my loyalty card. <laughs> yeah, can I just leave post. this here? Can I just give this to you? And so, so that when I come in, you can make me a coffee. Um, and so what my app would do uh, would be um, it would uh, register to be notified when it gets within range of a beacon. Right. So as I uh, approach the coffee shop, it would display a little thing message on my lock screen saying, hi, Jake, you've just arrived at such and such coffee shop. Swipe to unlock. It would launch the app. And then on my app would just, just be uh, – like, you know, a paper loyalty card with little blank spots for them to put a stamp each time I get a coffee. Mm-hmm. And uh, on their device, they would see that Jake McMullen is near and his preference for coffee is a, a latte with one sugar, please. Um, Does it actually say the please? <laughs> probably <laughs> says please. Um, and then so they could start making it for me. All right. And then by the time they finish making it and I'm ready to pay, uh, I just tap my phone to their iPod Touch. Uh, and it would register the fact that I'd just bought a coffee and I'd get a little stamp appear on mine. Cool. See, this sort this sounds like the sort of thing that you could do with something like like that they would do with something like Square, yeah. So Square are doing exactly that apparently, yeah. but using geofences rather than iBeacons. Right. Um, but Square's mm-hmm. but, whilst, uh, although whilst it's widely weird popular in the US is not would at all not, popular in Australia. Why, well, yeah. Although there's there really is room good, for, there is room for it. There is definitely room Have for it. Have you ever tried out Square in the US? No, no I haven't. I've heard, it's apparently it's, it's awesome. And it's apparently really good. It, it is basically exactly as I described, but also you can pay. So, like, you don't have to actually yeah. – it's yeah. The, the cost of that coffee is just deducted from your – Ideally, what you would do is um, they would have – there would be a system where your phone picked up on the beacon and so they could see that, you know, you, you've, you're in, near the store, yep. you're nearby – uh, and this is your coffee preference. And then all they would have to do would be, yep, he's picked this up, right? A button to kind of do that. And that's the entire right. interaction. Right. So I don't actually have to tap my phone. You don't have actually have to open your phone. Um, I mean, you could. You could, you could. you could have it so that you open your phone and ask, like, and say, okay, yes, I do want to order this. Yeah. So that it's not just, it's not 
Every don't time you walk past up. your favorite coffee shop, it just lines up a phone. Actually, that would be yeah. kind of cool for me. Well, Every time I walk past, coffee. there's just a coffee waiting for me. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even like. I wasn't planning on coming here. I just happened to be in the visit. Oh, coffee! Thank you. <laughs> but it would like, and then so you would you would basically order it and like just by going yes, this is what I want. Yes, just in case you want something different, right? Yeah. And then they get like a notification to say, "Yep, you know, make this coffee." They make the coffee. They say. Yep, he's taken it, and that's the end of the like. It automatically deducts your money from your bank account. Yeah, and there's no having to like exchange anything or. It do sounds anything. like Square. That is what Square does. Yeah, exactly that. Okay. Except without beacons. I I use Square at a bar in the US, and it was they keep a tab as you're going. I'm pretty sure you can even look it up. I didn't do that part. Um, but yeah, you just take your card up at the end, and they swipe it through that thing that plugs in the headphone jack and hand you the iPad. And there's just like three buttons for tip, so you don't have to worry about. You just tap twenty percent. Send to email and it sends you the receipt. So it's, much easier. It's kind of cool. And very pretty. Well designed. Carry on. So cool app. Cool app idea. Although, yeah. It's- I, so as by idea, I clearly am not trying to do this as a, a new business or anything, but just because I keep I love iBeacons and I keep wanting to mess with them. So if I get some a little bit of time, I think I'm going to just knock it up just to see. See how it works. Yeah, I'm still trying to, to think, think of like, a little bit more about how that, how you can use location and your proximity mm. to the thing as a way of exchanging information. And like you're so right, I don't need that whole tap stage. I kind of felt like I needed something so that the person selling the coffee could confirm that I'd they'd received payment from me. But that doesn't necessarily need to, need to be my phone. That's getting, automatically done. They could just, yeah. Mm. Um, and you could set like you could set up a system like that using Stripe. Because Stripe is going to be available here in Australia very soon. Mm. I know they're beta testing it. Isn't there it. another one called PIN? Is it PIN? There are several in Australia. All of them suck. <laughs> so <laughs> Except I, Stripe. Right. So well, Stripe isn't in Australia yet. After right. I had heard about Stripe and heard how cool it was, I thought to myself, I wish there was something like that in Australia. And then sometime late, later I heard about a new service in Australia and I thought to myself, wow, that sounds as cool as Stripe. But I can't remember. There are services That's, that are very similar to Stripe, but I don't like in my research in, into them. They're not. No, they're not as, as good. As good. Like Stripe is is good because of uh, the fact that it's uh, equivalent pricing to PayPal. It's also really really easy to set up for developers. Like really easy. They provide all sorts of stuff. Like you can you can set it up so that like you have a JavaScript file and the JavaScript file like you can call functions that automatically um, validate credit card numbers. And pin, like and and the um, little three-digit codes, the CCVs or whatever they're called, um, that can all be validated. Like, and you don't actually have to write any of that logic. Which I've I've written that logic before, and it's yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a pain. It's it's not hard, but it's a pain. It's going to be nice when someone actually gets breaks this monopoly that credit card companies and banks have. Yeah, on I agree. Exchanging small amounts of money, like we should be able to do buy and sell coffees without involving banking systems at all. Yeah, why do I need a merchant or whatever they're called to yeah. help me transfer money? That's what Bitcoin's meant to answer, but right. that's yeah. still just as complicated. And it's a bit for a, too for a hypothetical. And yeah, I think there are lots of people looking at these mobile payment technologies and trying to come up. There was another um, local, I think a Sydney based startup that had this thing where you could send people money via Twitter. Hmm. I think it's PYGG. And you just say, you just tweet at PYGG and say, pay Ben $5. Yes, please. And uh, then if we've both got our bank accounts registered with them, then it will transfer $5 Isn't from Square mine to Square doing yours. something like yeah, that with email now? Square Cash. Square yeah. Cash. Yeah. And it's free to use apparently, but only you can only use it in the United States and only certain, even then only yeah, certain- only um, some states. Some states can yeah. use it. Clearly, there's lots of innovation but happening here. But it's no strings attached. I, I consider that a string. Like I consider that several strings, possibly <laughs> even a rope. Mm. Yeah, it is PYGG. Uh, pay your friend, and uh, you can pay them. Anyway. Um, my bank actually has that. My well, my business bank. Um, they have, which is ANZ. I, don't, I guess it's not a secret. Uh, it doesn't need to be a secret. The app, the like the the phone app that I have, has a pay anyone thing, and you, all you have to do is enter their mobile number. And if they yeah, are also b- registered with that, you can. Most banks have that now. Commonwealth have it. Yeah, Westpac. Because neither of my other bank accounts, bank bank 
banks. I think ANZ were the first. ANZ was Pace, but that's still so that's still a lot more like um, a lot more hassle than what we're talking about with beacons and yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah, of course. But there's, I mean, it's the technology is going that way. It's just not there yet. It is. It's getting there. When will the future hurry up and arrive? What what you need to do is build a time machine, and then you don't have to wait for the future. Yeah, it's true. I have three of them. Three time machines. Yeah, I can see the DeLorean. There's two. There's well, there's the big DeLorean. There's a little DeLorean over there. Actually, I've got four time machines because there's another DeLorean in the in the shelf, and then there's the TARDIS, which is sitting here in my bookshelf. So I've got four time machines hmm. in my office. There you go. So. I mean, they're they're not very big. You might be able to, you might be able <laughs> exactly. to send your finger into <laughs> a, a, a fictional another dimension. Yeah. Uh, good times. So, Ben, you have you have exciting news. I think I think it's exciting. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. I'm excited. Anxious. I'm excited well. about it. I'm I'm a bit nervous for you too. What is your news? I quit my job. I resigned. Too much hanging out with you guys, I think. Hang on, I think you're on the wrong podcast for this. Isn't yeah, there a whole podcast quit? about quitting quit? a job? Should yeah, we, I should I we call it now? Was it their fault? We're taking Yes. In, I listened to it and walked in. Uh, we're, we're, taking in uh, we're taking calls right now, so you can tell us no, we're not. Yeah, I quit. It was scary, but I did it because the real reason was because I couldn't keep driving to Sydney. We're recording in Canberra. And we live in Canberra. I do live in Canberra, and Shiny Things is in Sydney, and I was driving there to be in the office one day a week. And that is killer, man. Yeah, I can't imagine doing that. And more expensive than people would think. Cost costs $100 each trip. In fuel? Fuel, tolls, car maintenance. Yeah. And are you paying that? that, or is the is I pay that. But, I mean, the real like time, right? I wish we had a fast yeah, train. Yeah, I lose... Um, so, for people who aren't in Australia, the distance from Canberra to Sydney is about 300 kilometres? Just a little bit more, I think. Three... 30. Takes usually about a three hour drive. It's a three hour and 15 minute drive. Depends on where you go in Sydney. Sydney's a big place. Like if you're just going to the edges of Sydney, it'll take you two hours. Yeah. You're like pretty much bang on. And, and the other option's a bus, which takes about the same amount of time. About four hours. A train, four, which four, takes yeah. about Five four hours because it yeah. goes not directly there. Or you can fly. Which and takes the, the flight 30 takes minutes in the air. Minutes, or but two then you've hours got, waiting like, around at the airport. You've got, yeah, the extra time getting in and out of the airport. I've timed myself in the past. And literally flying takes the same three yeah, hours equivalent. as driving. Yeah. I would never fly to Sydney like just to go to Sydney, but I will fly to Sydney if I'm flying elsewhere from Sydney. I fly to Sydney all the time and it's because when you drive, driving I lose seven hours of my week, which is almost another work day. Yep. Whereas, whereas when you sit at the airport, you're only really out of work for one hour. Right, because you can be I sitting sit in the lounge working. and I work. Do work, yep. yeah. And because, there's nothing else to do there, so I yeah. actually get a lot more work done. <laughs> yeah, which makes sense. But, yeah, if we had a fast oh, train. I'd love the like- fast train. I would just think by the time the fast train comes, I won't have this problem anymore. Yeah. So I voted for bullet train party, by the way. <laughs> well, the Hyperloop would be perfect. A yeah. perfect Hyperloop would work yeah. really well here, I think. If anyone wants a trial site and for the Hyperloop. Benefit of, we also don't have, like, earthquakes. Yeah. Well, not big earthquakes anyway. Not yeah, like... Not like uh, although there is a specific distance in... in actually, I actually looked into the Hyperloop a little bit, and there is a specific distance at which it, it, it only becomes feasible. I don't think Canberra... No, it is. It's the Sydney-Canberra distance. Is it the Sydney-Canberra yeah. distance? Yeah, because they want to do San Francisco-LA, right? Yeah, but that's further. That's more like Sydney but it's a, to Melbourne. The, the distance to Melbourne. is a longer distance. It becomes inefficient. It's efficient over a quite short distance to a like medium distance, but it's ter- it would be terrible, say New York to LA. Right. Well, you could. I mean, if as long as you you could do it in like little little jumps. But anyway, that's beside the point. Mm. Um. So, what are you going to do with yourself now, then, Ben? Nothing. Just going to sit around. Sit around. Hopefully. Maybe record a podcast here and there. Yeah. No, I'm going to try the freelance thing. Yeah. It's very anxiety-raising, but I think it's doable. I mean, you guys do it. Well, yeah, we do it. Yeah. To various uh, You don't know how nervous you're making degrees me. Of- you're, this, the, hot, the thought that you may have made a life decision based on <laughs> observing what I do. Based don't on, do yeah, that. Was, yeah. <laughs> too, too late, man. <laughs> With, I already quit. Jake and I are not the sort of people you want to base your life on. <laughs> No, I was already uh, thinking of doing it for a while. It wasn't your fault. The the thing that um when I decided to switch to freelancing, the thing that gave me the confidence to do it was that um I feel I feel like mobile software, iOS software, 
you know, it's not some, about to disappear. The demand is not about to go away. There are just the the trend of people using mobile devices for their primary means of computing is only going to continue. So, you know, and I think that's that's turned out to be true. Like um, when I first left the ABC, there weren't quite um, as many people using their iPhones to watch iView, for example. And now recently I heard there was up to 54% of all iView being watched is being watched from iOS. Yeah, and I think it goes further than that even. I think that more and more people are going to use mobile devices and people will realize that and start to lock it, you know, sort of lock it down. There won't be as much freelance per se, but there will be a lot of outsourcing of work to companies. And it's going to be the people who sort of started the contracting years ago that are going to get that work because they'll be established in a company form. Because I don't, I don't think in the future that everyone will be a freelancer. Right. You know, there won't be enough room for that. No, but there'll be, uh, there's certainly plenty of work. There's plenty of work, but you, like, for instance, you know, banks are now in-house developing. Yeah. Most Qantas and stuff all in-house, I believe. So it's gone, gone are the days where they just got a contractor in for a while. A lot right. of big companies and, are realizing that it's quite a big thing now. And that's actually really, I'm really pleased to hear that because I kind of, worry that too too often people were just considering mobile like oh we'll just we'll just, just do an afterthought it. yeah right there'll be a project we'll get someone in to help do it or we'll outsource it to some company to do it for us and then it's done whereas it's kind of nice to know that organizations are starting to see it as a core platform and that it's got to be something they've got to invest in and continue to build on um and i don't think that necessarily means there's not a lot of freelance work going around i'm sure there's not yet i mean there's heaps at the moment i mean in the like 10 years term. in the future I don't necessarily think it's going to go anywhere. I mean, it'll change because, mm. I mean, I don't think we're going to use iPhones forever. Well, yeah. Like, so a job I saw up at the moment, uh, uh, an open tender, job that's out for tender that I was toying with potentially tendering for, but although I don't think I will, is a government department that want to use mobile devices for issuing infringement notices. <laughs> um, huh. And I think they're to equip a workforce who currently use, in some cases, manual like analog infringement notices pen and paper and in some cases use custom bespoke hardware for doing infringement notices um and potentially you know that could be like an ipod touch app right you could do you'd probably on a phone because they'd want data on the go would they want data on the go yeah i'd I'd suggest i'd think that they would want to like automatically talk to a server and just put it up to a server because otherwise you'd have to sync it when you get back to the office or it's more than that as well so you know you got your two-hour park one inspector comes along. They used to do the chalk the tire thing so yeah. that when the next guy came along, he could see. Could they do that with beacons? <laughs> Just drop a little beacon. <laughs> so you have so you have a beacon in your car and a beacon in the parking space, which isn't isn't all that out there because there's plenty of park, parking spaces that have those like the colored lights above them to tell you whether it's empty. Mm-hmm. And it's not just colored light. That some of those have cameras in them. Yeah, yeah. To look at the license plates. So why of- not have a beacon in there? Beacon in the in the car uh, that automatically knows, so it, it detects how long you're there for, and then... So you don't even need the beacon in the car. There's this sort of thing. You're right. I think eventually parking inspectors won't have as much to do because the the internet will know where all of our cars are all the time. That's so creepy. Um, <laughs> but already, like, those car parks you talk about, they have those red and green lights to let you know yeah, where yeah. they're there for you. We'll have... A, have um, Video cameras in them. Yeah, yeah. And so they can tell they whether use, the car space is full or not. And which car's in it. So you, yeah, you can you can punch in your license number and it will show you where your car is. Westfield trialed that in, I think it was Chatswood in Sydney. Um, And someone found a vulnerability in it. That ah. They were making it available through a JavaScript API that you could just find the license plate of any vehicle in it. <laughs> and then they turned that feature off. But like, I think that technology would allow the parking operator to know when your car arrived and when your car left, so it could automatically detect it from your bank, deduct it from your bank account without you actually having so to. Nice. Anyway, but I guess um. So my point there was, I I think that there is just so many more of these sorts of situations where it makes sense for someone to have a portable computing device with them that's connected to the internet mm-hmm. that has. And whereas in the past, and all those like some uh, someone delivered a package to me the other day, and he had a handheld computer that he used to. Yeah, they've got like, my like the old school like right. 
Windows CE things. So those things are going to, I think, have to disappear because the cost of one of those, because it's produced in such small But they're not producing them anymore. They're just continuing to use the old Old ones. ones. Have you seen some of those things? Like some of them have had the scritch. Like they've they've had the the area where where you actually signed. It's scratched out because of so many people actually signing. And they've got like the big rugged cases and stuff on them. Like they've been produced. They've been – they were made years ago. Yeah. And so surely like uh, iOS and Android devices are going to start to disrupt those markets as well because it's just so much cheaper. Eventually. Eventually they're going to have to replace them. Well, they, they use the same sort of thing in JB Hi-Fi, um, actually, because I used to work there. I know this. Um, for people overseas who don't know what JB Hi-Fi is, it's essentially a- Electronics retailer? Electronics retailer. They sell things like computers, TVs, stereos, uh, car-related stuff, yeah. games, so CDs, DVDs, etc. Is that something that you've got in common with, uh, with Marco? From ATP, then I think he once worked in an electronics retailer. Right, I did. I and worked at Dick Smith. There you go. I also I, worked in a phone store. So there's that. I worked in a fruit but, and vegetable but store. But JB Hi-Fi, JB Hi-Fi have, and I still believe they still have them. They still have those like the ruggedized Windows CE devices that are about an inch thick, and uh, and old school like Windows CE on it, and they, that's how you look up items and, um, and Coles create well. the create the. I've seen a guy Coles using one. Yeah. yeah, I reckon there's probably still cases where like custom hardware is going to be justified, but I reckon there's so many cases where you look at the cost of some custom hardware and the custom really niche skills to develop software for it, and then you say, okay, competing against that is some people that are proposing to use pretty commodity hardware now in iOS devices and quicker environment of coding. To be perfectly honest, though, I would see, and I'd, I'm not saying that I like this idea, uh, at all, but I would see that when they come to replacing those, they're not going to replace them with proprietary Apple software. They're probably going to replace them with an Android device, not a yeah. It could yeah, be an Android device, um, not an Apple device. Um, but this, I mean, the the the, the idea is still like it, it's still the same. Hmm. Um, and I'm not saying that you know that's a bad thing or a good thing. I'm just saying that's probably what would happen because it's a cheaper and um, be something that they can customize. Yeah. So this is, I guess, this is my way of reassuring myself that I haven't given you really, really bad advice. Because the way I reassured myself when I did it was, um, yeah, you know, thinking about how much work there was around and was I going to be able to find enough. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure I'll be able to find enough yeah, work. I'm sure you will too. There's, there's plenty around. Mm. So there was other stuff that we wanted to talk about, but guess what? We've run out of time. <laughs> Damn. In fact, like we we pretty much didn't talk about any of the things that we lined up to actually talk about, which is um. So did we talk about anything then? We did. We oh, talked good. about stuff. Good. Um, we talked about me. I do want to actually say some things because I think it's important to say, um, and I haven't done it yet. For starters, um, for those of you who are going to be attending NS Camp this year for the inaugural NS Camp, uh, Ben and I will be there. And doing a live episode on the Sunday evening. I believe it's the Sunday evening. It's supposed to be the Sunday evening. Don't look at me. I'm not going to be there and I'm sad. Jake is lame. Lame. Uh, so we'll be doing a live live event. I don't know whether or not we'll be live streaming it. I'm considering the idea at this stage. Uh, if, there, if we do end up line, live streaming it, uh, the details will be available on the website um, prior to the event. But if you're going to be at NS Camp... Or even if you're not going to be at NS Camp, you should be there. And if you are going to be at NS Camp, you should, you should come and hang out with us. Because Ben's a nice guy. I'm not. Jelly's but, not. But, but Ben is. <laughs> ben is to me. Ben's a super nice guy. And uh, he's, he'll be excited to talk to you. And I'll kind of grunt at you. And I'll just wish I was there. And, and Jake will not exist at all. But yeah, you should guys. You should uh, you should check out NS Camp. I'll throw a link to the website for that in the show notes, uh, so you can grab a ticket if you haven't already got one. Uh, there's a bunch of other benefits to being there, other than the fact that you get to see our pretty faces. Um, well, Ben's pretty face. Um, I've got an average face, but yeah, it'd, it'd be great to see you guys there. Um, anyway, so look, guys, uh, that's it for this week. We uh, we enjoy talking to you as always. Uh, if you want to read any of the show notes, you can do that. Uh, all you need to do is go to our website, and the website is uh, mobilecouch.co forward slash 20, because we've hey. made it to 20 episodes. 
now, if you'd like to get in touch with us and send us an email, which you should do, and you should feedback and tell us what you think and tell us how you feel and uh, how things are going in your life, um, do that. And to do that, all you need to do is do go to our website, uh, mobilecouch.co forward slash contact. There's a web form and you fill it out and it sends us an email. Now, if you'd like to get in touch with us individually, you can talk to Jake on Twitter and app.net. And he is Jay McMullen, J-M-A-C-M-U-L-L-I-N. Ben is also on Twitter and app.net as uh, Ben Trengrove, B-E-N-T-R-E-N-G-R-O-V-E. And I am... Uh, at Jelly Bean Soup on Twitter and just Jelly on app.net. Thanks, guys, for listening. We look forward to talking to you again next time. Uh, as always, it's a pleasure to talk to you guys, and we uh, we'll see you then. Bye. Bye. Bye.